Good evening, everyone. I feel like there is something special in the air. We already have that connection that rarely we feel in the church because honestly, when we come to the church, to the big congregation in the church, we sometimes feel like we are not really close with anyone. We feel like we're maybe sometimes even lonely and Today I feel like we already started building these connections. That's great because we're talking about Jesus being the bread of life. And in the context, it talks about him sharing his life with us. He said that we are part of his body. And so being part of, the, in the, uh, of his body is sharing, sharing our experience, sharing our revelations, sharing maybe financial resources. Before we continue, I just want to see by a show of hands if you learned something new today. You don't have to talk about it. Anything new? Okay, two, three people. Okay, well, raise your hand if you shared something new with others. Raise your hand if you shared your revelation. Great, because it's already a part of you. You shared it with somebody. Um, I got this cool uh, cable charger for the phone, and I realized that somebody gave it to me recently, a couple weeks ago. I realized this is cool stuff because it has it has uh, iPhone, I believe. Uh, who, who uses iPhones, right? No, I'm sorry. Listen to me. I'll be preaching about the Word of God. Forget about iPhones. Samsung is cool. So then, and I have this old connector, I think I'm actually using it for my clicker. And yesterday we have, uh, in our school where I work, we have a um, great person, Didya Misha. He cleans the building, he's our bus driver, he's Zalatiya Ruki. He came to me and after school, he asked Alex, I need a charger. And I'm like, yeah, I have this cool thing. He's like, no, I need a charger. I'm like, what do you mean? So I show him these cables, and he says, no, I need that, you know, that thing. My phone is dying. And I'm like, well, to resurrect your phone, you just need this. And then I realize that it's missing one part, right? The cable is missing the connector head. And in order to make the dying phone come back to life, it's not enough to have the right cable. What you need, you need to connect that dying phone with an almighty, all-powerful source of life for the battery to come back to life. You just need this thing. Without it, this is useless. So tonight, we're talking about that connector or that connection between the dying humanity including Christians who've been born again, and the almighty, all-powerful, eternal source of life, our God Father. We're talking about Jesus Christ who said himself, I am the bread of life. I'm pretty sure you already got a lot of revelations. I just want to share something that is on my heart I've been thinking, um, honestly, I have to admit, I'll be th I have been thinking about this for a few weeks and maybe more because um, a lot of things in our life, they grow naturally. I don't remember where I learned this. Maybe I heard that from the sermon. Maybe you shared that with me. 
if you want, you can raise your hand and say, Alex, that's my thought. Well, I believe God used you, for, you know, to fulfill his purpose, to teach me something. So people get really messed up. When they grow up, they are getting really messed up. You guys are all messed up. I know it's not encouraging. I know you think highly. You have really good self-esteem. Raise your hand if you have really good self Stop raising hands. We all need to know the truth. The whole truth, not the partial truth. We live in a hypocritical culture where they say, you know, we, we, we are for diversity, everybody's unique, uh, unique in, by the way, you can kill babies when they're still in the womb. Well, they are not really babies, they're, you know, tissue or whatever. So there's a lot of hypocrisy. That's not the total truth. Only in the Bible we learn the total, total and uh, uh, true truth, the real truth with the capital T. When God came to us, he knew that we will not understand the deep stuff. If we can actually get the PowerPoint on and, and maybe remove those stands. I apologize. Not really uh, ready. Okay, that's good. Let's see if the clicker will work. It works. Perfect. Thank you, Victor. Um, in your notes, in your um, bulletins, you have the first point, and I, that's where I want to make a first point. Why? God, Jesus himself said, I'm the bread of life. Because this is a very bold statement. It talks about God's identity. When we think about identity, there's a lot of conversation in our culture about identity. Okay? And people say, we are not just male and female. We are much broader spectrum of things uh, that describe our identity. And I'm sorry, but that is such narrow thinking because when you, as soon as you start arguing male or female, even as a Christian, you're just talking about the gender identity. You're talking about how you look in your body. And your and my identity is much, much bigger and deeper question. I want to illustrate that first on the human side, on the human perspective, and then translate that into the context of what Jesus said because Jesus is not a human and there's no point to argue about his masculinity that's not the point about Jesus identity it's much much bigger he's God it's hard to describe him but even if I ask you a question who are you young man young lady who are you Okay, think in your head. Right now, think in your head. Make maybe two, three statements about your life. Just something about yourself. If I ask you a question, and if you're bold enough, if you can raise your hand and say, I am, if I ask you, I am? Yes. Paul. Okay. That's part of your identity. I'm sorry, but that's, uh, you know, that's not funny. That's part of his identity. Thank you. Give me more information. Paul, give me more information. Who are you? I play sports. Thank you. That's not complete, but that's part of his identity. Now we are actually narrowing down. Paul, who are you? <laughs> I know you're, you're cool. Um, a Christian. 
Aha, uh -huh. okay, that's cheating. Well, yes, that's not cheating. He is Christian. See how hard to describe in one statement even us humans, let alone God himself. That's why we have at least seven I am's, and there's much more in the Bible to describe God's identity. So when we talk about ourselves, we talk about our present, and Paul just said something about his present condition. I am a Christian. I play sports currently. He didn't play sports when he was one year old. Uh, he might not be playing sports later, but currently he's doing that. If you think about your past, think about a miracle in your life. Everybody think about at least one miracle. You're alive, right? That's a miracle. But if you think about your miracle, that's be, that became part of your identity. I know my mom had cancer when we were little kids. Okay, God healed my mom. My mom is still alive, 26 years later. That's part of my identity. That's part of my belief. That's what I believe about God. Don't tell me that there's no God. I know that he healed my mom. So my past, my present, and my future is part of my identity because I have some goals, I have some aspirations, so do you. And that's part of your identity because you want to become a lawyer, whoever you want to become as a, you know, in, in this life. You want to become spiritually, hopefully more mature. That's part of your identity. So when I ask Paul all these questions, he has to talk with me for hours, tell me stories, and then maybe I will get to know him just, you know, this tiny bit. That's why when you get married, you always, you know, learn about each other. I've been married for over 12 years, and sometimes, especially when the guests come to our house, for some reason, we start conversations, and my wife's like, and when I was young, and I'm like, you never tell, told me that story, and she's like, well, you never asked me about that. So I'm actually learning about her all the time. Or sometimes when I react certain ways, she's like, I never seen like that. I'm like, well, that's me. Hello. And she's like, I don't want to see you like that. And you look, I'm like, I'm sorry. I'll have to repent. So our identity, we as people, as humans, we are like, uh, like a huge book that has to be read, reread, memorized, and studied. If we talk about Jesus, about God, he is not in the past, in the future, in the present. It's hard for us to understand. So he has to use expressions and words in our language to explain what his character is like, his identity. And that's why Jesus makes this first statement, at least in the Gospel of John, he makes this first statement. And has, he says in his sermon, in his discourse with the disciples, he says, I am the bread of life. And I want to read with you just a few passages so to, that we can set the context and, and talk about it more. Same chapter, I'm not rereading all the, pa all the uh, verses that Andre read, but... Chapter 6, uh, verse uh, 35, Jesus makes this statement. John chapter 6, verse 35. If you can open uh, to chapter 6, I will be making references to that passage often. So 6, 35, please. And I'm reading. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Just, just picture Jesus sitting, like sitting, like a normal 
just a human, a male. He was younger than me. I'm 38, he was 32. Okay, so a younger guy sitting and saying, I am the bread of life. Like, what did you say? It's like, yeah, if you come to me, you will not hunger. And they're like, well, that's kind of cool. He probably means that he's going to feed us because he made this miracle. And by the way, they were chasing him. They were trying to find him, and they asked him questions. How did you get here? You know, there was another miracle because he, they traveled overnight over that lake and, and so on and so forth. And Jesus said, well, guys, you're looking for me not because you saw the miracle of feeding, you know, 5,000 or more people, and you sort of believed in me, and now you're following me and, like, trying to get all the, you know, teachings about eternal life. No, 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 no. You are looking for me because you were hungry. This is free lunch. So you want to more, to have more, um, you know, food. And so he tells them more explicitly, and he says, if you come to me, verse 35, you will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. I'm running ahead of myself, but at the end, I just want to make a simple statement. Jesus is the bread of life. Do you believe in that and what that, that means? So right now, we're just in a stage where we're learning how that source of life, the bread, and us who are dying without God can be connected through this statement that Jesus made. So he says, I am the bread of life. That's not the whole identity of Jesus but that's part of his godly uh, attribute. He is the source of life. There's no other source of life. People claim and they make like bold claims, but they cannot deliver what they promise or what they claim. Jesus says, I'm being a bread of life. Now, at this point, I want to answer the question, why did he say? And um, I want to remind that Jesus trying to speak our language God was trying for centuries to speak to people and he would call prophets and tell the prophet hey you have to walk naked and uh, like not, not literally naked but you know wearing underwear basically I mean that's the Bible and and people would ask you questions and then you give them the answer and that way I will speak to people to my people, to Israelites, to Jews. And uh, he tried other uh, stuff. He tried um, uh, signs and miracles, and people still didn't believe him. And so the scripture says that in the last days, God speaks to us through Jesus. So after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, Jesus Christ. If you want to learn about God, you cannot bypass, there's no detour, you need to learn about Jesus, and you need to believe in Jesus, all right? So when you come to the church, when you come to the cell group, or whatever discussion, or whatever, um, you know, gathering of church goers or believers, and they do not talk about Jesus, and it's just about good works, I'm sorry, but that's a powerless, that's ineffective, Maybe even, I don't know, but th that's not a gospel. The gospel is when we talk about Jesus. I'm so glad that we are going to learn about him next seven or six sessions. And so, God Father speaks to us through Jesus, 
And he says, I am the bread. That's not a very cool statement because God himself says, you can try me. That's actually part of his incarnation. He became human. So when he says, I'm the bread, it's not like, oh, that's so much fun. Because technically he says, I'm God who is inapproachable. You have to worship me. But all of a sudden, here's a step down. Here's like, I'm coming to you. And that's what he also talks about. He says, the bread that came down from heaven. There's this, this expression, word expression, at least three times. The bread that comes down from my father. That means that he's getting down to our level for the sake of our salvation, for the sake of our survival, for the sake of our spiritual growth. So why did he say that? Because he wanted to tell us, I'm ready to build relationships with you. I am the bread. You can eat of me. You can share with me my life. In verse 638, he explains and he says, I'm the bread for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. You know how hard it is to be at least for one day in our school at TCA where I work, work as a principal. We have this cool stuff. For one day, there's a student who gets to be the principal and I just have a day off, sort of. Kind of, I have to kind of look for trouble, you know, and next day fix them. But that's, that's a different thing. So for me, on that day, to come to the school that I, you know, I I'm just got used to run this school, to tell people what to do. I have to make decisions. And then all of a sudden, this principal from the sixth grade, sometimes for third grade, from seventh grade, tells me, Mr. Alexander, there, your spot is there in a good way. You know, they know that I'll be real principal next day, so they're like, cool. For Jesus to do not his will, not his will, not what he wants, and he's perfect, he's God. That means that he is step three, four, five hundred steps down, okay? So when he says, I'm the bread of life, there's a sacrifice. There's this desire to help us, not because he wants that for himself, but because he loves us. Say, praise God. That's our God. That's Jesus. And another thing, uh, when he says, I'm the bread of life, why he said that, uh, he wanted to make a point that I'm different, but I'm approachable. And what that means is that um, God, this is some of the, the words I know, Young people like these definitions in all kinds of new terminology. You have a huge, tremendous capacity for memorization of the, of the new words. So here's the new words for you. There's a, this word in theology, transcendent. Okay? God is not from our crowd. He is not from our world. We cannot even comprehend him. We think that we're like, oh, I got this revelation. I know who God is. Thank you, God. And God is like, you don't even know what you're talking about. I'm just like, you probably, you know, get a shadow of me. Or like he showed, he didn't show himself to Moses. He said, I'm, I'm going to cover you with my hand and pass by and then you will see me. Sort of like that. So he didn't really reveal himself. He's transcendent. He's different. That's cool. That's great because he is the powerful battery source of life for us. He's an eternal bread. At the same time, he's imminent. 
That means he's working in us, through us. The Bible says that we live through him, in him, because of him. He's right now, he is uh, holding the breath of an unbeliever, of the blasphemer who laughs at God, says there is no God. He's like pumping his blood, you know, making his, him move and, and, and just live. So he is with us. He's very close. And so when he says, I'm the bread of life, he's like, I am different. You need me like you need food. And if you want, I invite you to take me in. And that's my next point. What does it mean to be the bread of life? Why? We understand. God wants relationships. He goes to the earth. He becomes something that we can understand, like we understand what the food is. But what in essence that means, you know, okay, I'll tell you, he's the bread of life. Okay, after the youth service, what do you do with that? That's good. God is good. God loves me. But how to apply that in practice? And so next question is, what is the meaning of I am the bread of life? Before I talk about, you know, um, how he is the source of our life, I just want to make this comment that uh, our generation, our time, it's not just a young generation, but like I mean, the living generation, whoever lives on the earth in, in this country, in Western culture. Guys, we are tired. We are tired. You're not tired. I'm tired. <laughs> I got up at 5 o'clock and I've still didn't go home but we are tired and we are tired not necessarily physically but we're tired because of the flow of the information and there's statistically a lot of people I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand they young people they say I just unplug uh, like four months uh, for weeks I'm not using this app because it's just like it's crazy some of you are nodding like, yeah, I unplugged <laughs> from Instagram or whatever else, from social media, from just like using, um, you know, uh, online and so on. And when we, and why do we get tired? Because on one hand, all things are available. You just get that phone. This is cool. Dennis, this is great. Andre, whoever set this group up on your version, I'm going to come home and I'm going to read, you know, comments and let's share Thank you, thank you. But at the same time, all this information right now, whatever I want, makes me tired. Because in essence, the more I get stuff, the emptier or hungrier I feel. I have this empty thing. You all know this. God created us this way. Empty spot in my life that cannot be filled with anything except by God himself. If you believe that, say amen. God wants to give the true bread to us. And unfortunately, young people, that's not about you, but a lot of young people, other young people, they say um, the scripture, the Bible is boring. The gospel is, well, if I have to be honest with you, uh, it's boring. Okay? Not my words. And uh, my reaction is that it's counterintuitive. You see that word, counterintuitive. That means like we have this intuition, like we know that we want this stuff. 
but the Bible seems to be boring. It's counter, it's against our fleshly intuition. And we think that we need to watch more YouTube, but in reality, our soul, our spirit begs like, I want the real bread. The gospel is counterintuitive. In order, the whole gospel, the whole scripture is like against the logic. Because in order to become the greatest, you have to humble yourself, right? There's no such letter like in this world. In order to get to the CEO, you have to work this much, you have to do this. And the Bible is like, okay, go down. If you want to be the highest, the greatest, Jesus said, you have to be servant to all of these people, okay? Get down on your knees, serve all of them. It's counter my intuition. And the same thing happens with the bread of life. We might think it's boring, we might think it's hard, but if we believe, and without even relying on our emotions and feelings, we start getting to him, getting closer. Jesus said, whoever comes to me will not get hungry. He didn't mean for people to get, like literally walk up to him because, you know, thousands of people are sitting uh, around him and he's like, whoever comes to me will not be hungry. He didn't mean for them to get closer. He said, whoever is walking my direction, turning my direction, because if you have to come to this point, you have to leave this point. So if I'm coming to Jesus, I'm automatically leaving some stuff behind. Do, do you get the point? To come to Jesus, you'll have to sacrifice. I don't know what you have to sacrifice, but there's no such things like, okay, I'm going to leave my lifestyle, everything, what I have on my schedule, and Jesus Christ, not bad, the bread of life. It's not going to work. From now on, if you want to make serious decision, you have to leave some stuff behind, and you have to walk up to Jesus, and you have to get closer. And the last question we will talk about how practically that is happening in our life. We think that we want this kind of food or this kind of spiritual diet, but the Bible says, do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. So, when Jesus tells us that he is the source of life, we might feel different. We might think differently about his statement. Don't rely on your intuition. Like I said, in many ways we're messed up. We're, we're broken. And when we are born again, that doesn't mean that we become perfect. We still have our memories. We have our identity, like I said, our past. And God is working with us. I'm the living testimony of that. For 30, almost 38 years, I thought that I was cool, that I had great relationships with one of my relatives. He's not in this, don't think about anyone, he's not in, even in, in, in this state or this place. And then all of a sudden, I post something on Viber in the group that we have, and he's like, no, this is not the, that thing, and we start arguing. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to call him because, you know, I'm Christian. <laughs> so I'm like I'm calling him. It's he's like, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And I'm like, okay, next day I go to the gym and I'm like, and I'm like doing stuff and, and I'm like, God, he's wrong, he's wrong. And then all of a sudden God tells me, it's not the point. The root is deeper. 
he has something against you because of, and, and then my memory goes all the way back in my childhood. And I'm like, how could I live with that blind spot? I thought everything's great. We had great discussions online most of the time. We had great time, and I, I didn't even know that. That's how much we are broken inside, and God has to work with us, and he has to fix us. And so when we do not rely on our intuition or our feelings, we come to God, he can give us true um, life, uh, truly quench our thirst and give us satisfaction. Can we say amen? I need to quench my thirst. Just a second. All right. One of the things is that he is not just source of life. He is available to us uh, because the Bible says he is our daily bread. I like that. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, when we pray about our daily bread, the Bible says not by bread alone you will live. There's much more that God gives us. And, and we, when we pray, we don't just pray about our food. We pray about a relationship with God. Now, if... Let's move on to the next question because I think that's important in, uh, for our practical application. I believe, don't get me wrong, listen to me to the end. I believe that God does not give, our bread, give us bread. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. And what I mean by that, I'll read a few scriptures and, and hopefully that will make sense. But I think that the way we actually get that bread between the time we are ready to consume that bread and the time when we start the process, there's a long period of time. In the same way as we don't get the loaves of bread falling from the sky to the earth, in the same way spiritually, when Jesus said, come to me, eat of my flesh, eat, share with me. Um, he, he doesn't say that, you know, it's free stuff, you just get it, you just close your eyes, like, yeah, like charger in the, uh, for the phone, you know, sit for five, ten minutes, maybe sing a song, worship, now you ate enough. It doesn't work like that. The scripture says different thing. Isaiah 55, verse 10 through 11 Isaiah 55, verse 10 through 11. How do we get the bread and eat of it or take it in, apply in our life? He is the source of life, but how do we get it? Isaiah 55, 10, 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout, furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Okay, so the water and, the, you know, the snow and the rain comes down and they furnish something. They, they create certain environment for the seed and bread. The bread is not right there on the ground, okay? Everything starts with the seed, not with the bread. So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth, 
It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. In other words, to eat the bread, to share with God with, with, in his will, in his life, we need to put effort. Guys, it's not going to happen just like a click on the, of the button or, you know, you, you just log in and you are there, okay? You need to put some effort. God gives the seed. That's the concept, that's the principle in the Bible where God gives us the seed and then he expects us to multiply, to grow the fruit, and so when in Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 10, he says, God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, okay? So this bread for food comes in the form of the seed. It starts with the small stuff. It starts with the hard work. In fact, even before getting that seed to work in our life, before the first revelation, we need to prepare the ground, We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And um, what I want to make a, you know, a point right here is that if you want to have this source of life, God himself working in you, answering your prayers, giving you consolation, you know, things come in our life, we were, we were like, we don't expect them. We had a Christmas party in, in, in with our relatives, with the uh, Misura family, and kids are running around. And I have video of kids running around, my kids and, and, and uh, Igor Misura, Masha Misura's kids. Okay, everything's cool. And then all of a sudden we pray a prayer. God, open our eyes, that's a true thing, open our eyes so that we could see your glory, so that we could see more of you. And who knew that a few days later we'll get this news? You know, this little girl has cancer. Like a boom! Everybody's like starting praying. Everybody's starting crying out to God. God is doing something, okay? But it started with a small prayer. It starts with a seed. It does not come to your life and you're like, yeah, I have this sermon in my head and here's the sermon for the work, here's the sermon for church, here's the sermon for my marriage, I know everything. It doesn't work like that. It's all these pieces together. Somebody asked me before I came you know, up here, how much time you spent you know, preparing for this sermon? I don't know, maybe years. Some of this type of stuff I had to live out in my life. I had to get it from God. I had to apply it in my marriage, in my workplace, everywhere where I go in order to share that with you. And now I'm eating of that bread and sharing that with you. But it does not come all of a sudden. One day you got up and you, you have everything. You got it. Do not be deceived. That's another point. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, by the way, it's not like, oh, I have a choice whether I sow or... You're sowing all the time, Okay. You're investing all the time. But the Bible says, for whatever man sows. So you can sow God's seed. You can, you know, look the right direction. And you can do something different. The man, whatever sows this, he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. How do you sow in your flesh? The Bible says three wants, three lusts. 
the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride. So I want more, want, 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 want. I sow in my flesh. And if I do that, I will reap or I will see the harvest, but it will be corruption. I'll see all of a sudden, this is gone. My health is gone. My riches, whatever I acquired, whatever I worked so hard for, gone. Why? Because I sowed in the wrong place with the wrong seed. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. Jesus said, I am the eternal life. I'm the eternal bread. And so, um, last point, it also depends on how much effort you need to put into your sowing and taking care of, the, of that crop. It, it depends on, you know, what kind of harvest you will reap. I will not go into details. Everybody knows the parable of the sower, right? I'm just kind of refreshing our mind, uh, memory. So the sower, the Bible says, is sowing the seed. And there's four types of ground, okay, the soil, I mean. And the first seed falls by the road. And the second seed in the thorny place, on the rocky place, and then in the good ground. And even in the good soil, when it falls and starts growing, it's a good soil. It, this same soil, this same place, this same field can bear either 30 times more or 60 or 100. There's no fertilizer in that soil. Okay, it's the still, it's good ground. But the difference is between the Christian and the Christian is how much patience and diligence and consistency they have in their lives. I'm reading from message. Message is not a translation. It's a paraphrase, but I'm still, still like it. And it says, and the seed that fell in um, the good earth, these are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there is a harvest. I like it. It's uh, passage translation. It's in Luke chapter 8, verses 6 through 15. So it depends on you. I know that most of us, we're born again. We love Jesus. We want to see the result in our life. We want to serve him. We love him. But some of us will get only 30% of what we would technically have. And we will miss out on some blessings, unfortunately. Others will have more, and, other, and still others will have even more. All depends on how we react to this statement of Jesus. He said, I am the bread of life. He who comes. Remember, that's a decision to leave something and approach or get closer or to come to Jesus. He will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. Believing in God, um, it says, believes in me. It's like, okay, I know I have this ticket. I, I'm traveling and I have this uh, airplane ticket and I'm getting to the right place and I'm right by the airplane. And the only thing that is remaining is actually to cross this line and to get in that airplane, on that airplane, to believe in means to leave forever this place, to get on this airplane and travel with the pilot 
until the destinations. Believe the word and obey. This is called to action. When Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, it's not just a cool statement to describe partially God's attributes. It's actually a challenge. Will you respond? Will you eat of me? Will you share my will? Will you share my life? Will you start sowing in your life? It's so, guys, it's so hard to explain, but when you live for five, ten years, and then you look back, you start seeing things that were worth of your time and things that were just so worthless. So invest in reading the scripture, in spending time with the Lord. You will never regret. I would like to pray with you if you can please stand up to your feet.